Well, I'd like to uh, welcome each and every one of you to the last uh, week in our study in the book of James. And uh, I'm glad you came back. Um, last week, this is the first time it's ever happened to me in my ministry that I can remember. Um, I, no- I normally have an internal clock in me that says that it's time to wrap up. Last week when I finished uh, my message, I looked at my watch and we're 15 minutes over what we normally are. Uh, by the way, that didn't happen in the second service, uh, but it was amazing. And I was feeling, feeling badly about that and kind of guilty. And as Sharon and I were walking to the 10 minute party, she said that was that was the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was moving among us. Don't feel bad about that. So that helped me a lot. But um, uh, today at the close of our service, we're going to have a, a time of ministry. Uh, the worship team will, will sing and we're going to have a time of ministry prayer for those of you who would like it. And I just ask you to be open to that idea, to that thought um, that, the, that the spirit would want to move in you and around you. So um, in that sense, I would encourage you now to open your Bibles uh, to James chapter five. Uh, This is the last week in our series. We've had a powerful time in the Word. I've never received so many comments via email or in person about a a book that we've studied that has impacted you as a congregation quite as much as this. And I'm, I'm thankful for that to the Lord for that and pray that today would be a great way to celebrate that. So uh, reading in James chapter five, the last section that we'll be looking at is verses 13 to 16. And I invite you now to hear the word of God. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Several years ago, uh, the national press picked up a story that uh, ended up being on all of the major newspapers and news stations on television and periodicals such as Christianity Today. A man by the name of David Gilmore decided to not take his 15-month-old son, Dustin, to the doctor when he became ill. It began with flu-like symptoms that over time got worse and worse. David and Patty Gilmore took their son to their church and the church and the elders anointed this baby with oil and prayed over him that the Lord would heal this little boy of his sickness. They believed in that church. Uh, this was a denomination that absolutely believed that faith and faith alone can heal any disease and to look elsewhere Uh, For instance, a doctor or medicine would be uh, a profound lack of faith. Several weeks passed as the baby got worse. They earnestly, fervently 
regularly prayed. They confessed their sins over and over again, both real and imagined. And there was no wavering of their faith because they were told any wavering of their faith would negate their faith and therefore God could not work. The temperature climbed when Dustin became deaf. He couldn't hear. They prayed even more fervently. When he began to be blind, they prayed even more fervently. Friends and family tried to convince David Gilmore that um, medicine and doctors was not inconsistent with their faith, but they rejected that out of hand. They were not dissuaded. Dustin's jaw locked where he could not eat anymore. On May 14th, they took him to church once again. The entire church was a small church, laid hands on him, prayed prayers of faith and anointed him with oil once again. Uh, Dustin's mouth began to move a little bit, and he was able to take food that night. Both David and Patty were encouraged by this sign. They were praising God that God was finally going to heal Dustin. Um, The next morning, Patty walked into the room, and Dustin was dead. Uh, David, the father, prayed fervently for several minutes that God would resurrect Dustin because he believed the same God who could heal, could cure people of sickness could also raise them from the dead. But Patty did not pray. She stood there between crying and being angry. Because just a few minutes later, they finally realized that Dustin Graham Gilmore stayed dead. The autopsy revealed that Dustin had died from a form of meningitis that if treated was easily cured. Now let me ask you a question. How do you react to that true story? Angry? Confused? Questioning, does God heal or not? Is it true or not true? I mean, what's going on here? Do you feel pity for the family? Did they have sin in their life that was unconfessed? Was that the reason? Or did they just not have enough Faith, Or do you have admiration for the kind of faith they did have? I, I have all of those feelings along with others. But one of the primary feelings I have when I hear a story like this, and by the way, we hear a story like this once or twice a year. If you re- watch the papers, certain denominations that don't believe in doctors and medicine, and we hear these kinds of stories. But I, 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 one of the feelings I have is, is a twinge of embarrassment When I hear those stories, I I want to run away from them. I want to dissociate myself. I want to say, these Christians, this denomination or this group of people, uh, we don't believe that. But then I realize once again that these people truly are faithful men and women of God. They may be mistaken in some of their doctrine, but they love God to their toes. I recognize that. And and kind of like a, a weird uncle that lives in your basement, uh, you, you, you kind of love him, but you just don't want him to go out in public. And, and we feel that way about some of these Christians that believe this way, like um, the Gilmores. And so I always want to say boldly and strongly, we're not like that. We, we're not that kind of a denomination. But, but let me pause right there and say, At the same time, that I also want to say this, and I want to say it loud and clear, and I want to say it absolutely from my toes, and this is God's word from his word, is that God still heals. He does. He doesn't always heal when we think he should. 
And sometimes he heals when we don't think he should, but God still heals. Does, does anyone feel me on this? This angst, this discomfort even? I mean, it would be easier if we were a denomination that was black and white, but we're not. We, one of the things I love about the Evangelical Covenant Church is that we let mysteries remain mysteries, and we let gray areas remain gray. We don't have to define everything. We don't have to nail everything down. But the Bible is very clear on this. God still heals. How do you feel about that? I, I wonder if you, this, this story resonates with you like it does with me. I, I don't want to rush to a place because of excesses of the Gilmores or excesses of some of the weird preachers on television, I don't want to rush to a place that says God doesn't heal because of these excesses. I don't want to go there. And, and, and please hear this. Mr. Gilmore never went to a doctor, and so we're very critical of him. But can I say this, and I say it with, with love, and some of you are going to feel a sting here. Many sincere Christians, when they're sick, Never go to God. Ever. They just don't. So let's be very slow in our judgment of others. Now, I was raised in a church. Um, our pastor was a Nazarene in training, but it was a community church. I was raised in a church, and there are many, uh, not many, but there are some denominations that are very strongly dispensationalist. If you don't know what that means, Google it. <laughs> it's, it that's neat. You don't have to explain things anymore, you know, in church. You can just say Google it. But... Uh, but some denominations are strongly dispensational, believe that uh, after the age of the apostles, that miracles don't happen anymore. Right? How many of you have heard that? Okay, sure. A lot of us. Some of you may believe it. I don't know. But um, they believe that, okay, that tongues and healing and miracles don't happen anymore in this age of grace. Okay, that's what kind of strong dispensationalism says. But, but that belies, unfortunately, what the Bible says. But that's the way I was raised. So I was thinking that, uh, no, there's, uh, you know, all faith healers are charlatans. I was thinking miracles don't happen. And if somebody speaks in tongues, it's gibberish because nobody does that anymore. And that's kind of the way I was raised. And then I was introduced to a new denomination through my, my uh, girlfriend. Her name was Sherry Marley Wilson. She was a, she was a peach, still is. And uh, Sherry Marley Wilson, I was introduced to the Evangelical Covenant Church. And when they called me in 1972 to become a youth pastor at Mount McGill Covenant Church, um, I, 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 try, I examined what they believed because I didn't want to get to some weird denomination. So I looked at what they believed. And one of the things I found out is that they still affirmed this idea of healing. And I thought to myself, well, that's weird. They must be weirdos. And so here's what I read in the Covenant Book of Worship back in 1972. Still in our Covenant Book of Worship today. Healing is a primary ministry of the Christian church. Jesus was known as a healer and sent his disciples out to preach good news, cast out demons, and heal the sick. And it gives scripture passage for each of these things. Paul told the Corinthian believers that gifts of healing were among the gifts of the Spirit. In the book of James, the sick are instructed to, quote, call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, James 5.14. Throughout the history of the church, healing has been a core ministry and commitment. Mystery surrounds our prayers for healing. That not all are healed is evident. Even Paul was not healed of his thorn in the flesh in spite of his repeated prayers. But we still affirm what the Bible says. We believe in healing. 
So I read that, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird, that's kind of goofy. And so I asked the search committee, they were searching for a youth pastor, and I met with them, and I asked them more questions than they asked me. But I said, what about this statement on healing? And one of the guys says, oh, 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 Dwayne, don't worry about that. We haven't prayed for healing, and never had seen anybody healed for years. And, and so, and, and that was kind of, wow, you know, you say you believe this, but you don't. But what was weird is that I kind of felt better about it. <laughs> okay, good, they're not weird after all. And, uh, but then, after that, um, I started doing much more study, and I started, instead of hearing what other people were saying, I tried to really press myself into the Word of God and hear what it said. So my, my previous response to all of this was one of three things. Either they're nuts, a lot of them are, you know, or they're con artists, exploiting people's pain for money. We have somebody in our church that has experienced that. They're charlatans. Or thirdly, they're very sincere, like David and Patty Gilmore, but dangerously naive. That was my belief before. But in the years since, in my study of God's Word, going to seminary, all of that, I have come to a different position. That position, somewhat mysterious, because I don't know all the nuances, neither do you, my new position is this, that God still heals. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've noticed it. I've also seen many times where God has not healed, at least not in the classic sense of somebody has a sickness and then they no longer have a sickness. But I believe that God still heals. Not everyone is healed, obviously, but God heals. Now, let me tell you, I want to give you a 45-second version of the New Testament's view of healing. Okay, If you want a doctrine of healing in the Bible... And sometime I'll do a series on this because it's really fascinating. But here is the doctrine of healing from Jesus and James and Peter and Paul. Okay, sounds like a rock group. Uh, but uh, but here, here's, the, here's the theology of healing. From I'll put all those guys together. Here it is. Sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> sometimes God uses your faith to heal and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes God used somebody else's faith to heal you, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes you want healing, but God forgives your sins, and sometimes you want your sins forgiven, and God's he- God heals you. And I could go on and on, but throughout the New Testament, there's this mysterious movement of the Holy Spirit that says God still heals, and there's lots of evidence of that. But there's many times that God does not heal. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example, example in 2 Corinthians. Paul three times begged God to heal him. God, if you heal me of this thorn in the flesh, I can serve you so much better. And each time God said the same response, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, for you, and we don't fully understand it, but for you, I want you to remain with that thorn in the spirit. Some of you may be thinking you're like Paul. I prayed faith believing that God would heal me of this ailment or this cancer or something else. And he just hasn't done it. Do I still trust God? I've got to. God sees the big picture. The bottom line is God heals at his own pleasure. And he knows the end of the book. He knows the last chapter. We don't. God heals at his good pleasure, not ours. We, cannot, we, do, we are not God. You cannot have enough faith to do something if God doesn't want it done. Okay? God is still in control. In Exodus fifteen twenty six, it says, For I am the Lord who heals you. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean that God is the healer? Well, Jesus stood up in the temple at the beginning of his ministry. And people were 
starting to listen to this young man, 30 years old. He was raised in a carpenter's family. He learned some skills, but he was starting to cause some some stuff. He was baptized and he started doing some teaching. But then he came into this temple and and he pulled out one of the, the, the scrolls, one of the favorite scrolls of the Jewish rabbis from Isaiah 61. And this is what he did. He rolls out the scroll and here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he did something that changed the world. He rolled it up, rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the rabbi, and he said, Luke chapter 4, he said, Today, this is coming true. Today, this is coming true in your sight. In other words, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is upon us. And it's upon us now. We don't have to wait till the sweet by and by. We don't have to wait till eternity. We don't have to wait till heaven. The kingdom of God is upon us now. And in that kingdom, healing happens. Salvation is complete. People who are broken are healed. The kingdom of God is upon us. Is it true? Is it true for today? I mean, Jesus wasn't just talking about spiritual healing. He was also talking about physical healing in the kingdom of God. He said, this is for us. This is for me. This is for you. The kingdom has come physically, yes. And also the kingdom has come spiritually. For I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I believe that to the very tips of my toes. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with my belief in healing. My affirm, affirmation of the scripture. The problem is me. And my experiences. It gets in the way. You know, sometimes some people say, okay, here's the word of God and the word of God has authority over my experiences. You know what other people do? And all throughout the world, their experiences are put in control or over the word of God. Well, my, here's my experience and here's what the Bible says. Therefore, the Bible must be wrong. See, I, I, I do it just the opposite way, at least. And I think many of you do, too. The Bible is my final authority. So, so here's my problem with healing. It's a, it's a me problem. It's an understanding problem. And let me give you an example. So I'm eight years old. My twin sisters are nine. My little sister's five years old. My father in the Pacific in World War II uh, contracted malaria. So uh, he'd had a few episodes of it, and it was very serious. The doctor said this is something that, now this is in, in the 1950s, it's something that if it's not treated, and they didn't have a real treatment for malaria in those days, that it could take his life eventually. But, so, so we prayed that God would uh, not do that. We wanted our daddy around. and So one night he had a tremendously terrible fit of this malaria. He was shaking and just the bed was filled with perspiration. He was shaking. His fever spiked. My mom was terrified. Now, this was before 911 days. 911 only came in the 19, early, late 1960s. So, you know, what do you do? You call the operator. Do you get in the car with all your kids and run to the hospital, which is 20 miles away? What do you do? So my mom, my dad's there just shaking and she doesn't know what's going to happen. His fever is spiking. She calls us four kids in and we put a circle around my father and we hold hands and we put our little hands on my dad. We prayed for him and, and it stopped and it stopped and he stopped shaking and his fever dropped 
And he stopped sweating. And we said, well, thank God. Now, that's wonderful. And so our little faith grew that day. And, and then my mom next day took him to the hospital. And the doctor said, he doesn't have malaria anymore. It's gone. It's gone. So, so we, that's part of my experience. And then fast forward 25 years after that. My dad has been diagnosed with lung cancer. Uh, he smoked when he was younger, but he hadn't smoked for 20 years, but he worked in a place where secondhand smoke was there. And so he had uh, c- that cancer in him. It was kept alive and he was diagnosed with lung cancer when he was 53 years old. And um, for those three years before he died in, uh, at age 56, I, I can't tell you how often our family and our church, they were, my mom and dad were part of our church at Mount McGill. We prayed for healing for my dad. We anointed him with oil. We prayed faith believing. And, and, and we, we believed with all our hearts, just like, just like that other, the Gilmores did. And we believed. And, and then in August of, of 1983, my father just died. So I, I've got this, this problem, this contextual problem inside of me. We have seen in our church... Back when we were in the strip mall and in this church, Ashley LaQuay, a teenage girl of age 12, had cancer of the throat. We've seen her healed of that. Steve Hill, a member of our church, we saw Steve Hill healed. We, we have seen this. Uh, but Arnie Sleveland, a year ago, died of cancer. And we have people right now that are fighting cancer. And we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Ed Getz died and Lisa Rooley died, but somebody else didn't. And does God heal or not? Should I pray? How should I pray? When should I pray? Is it real? Does he heal? See, the problem is with me, and I, I'm, I suppose you have some of that same problem yourself. So, and when is it that you're wondering, oh God, are you going to heal? Are you not? When does that wondering turn into, turn into a withering? Or we say, oh, not going to happen. And we, we lose our faith and everything just doesn't feel right. Uh, before Ron and Rita Roper were in our church, uh, Rita took Ron to a faith healer. I won't tell you his name, but you could probably guess. He took him to a faith healer and he sat up with all the other wheelchairs. And when people came over and, and, and put their hands on them to pray for their healing, and when it was over, of course, nobody in the wheelchair section were healed. None of them. No one. And one of the pastors came up after the service and said, well, you know, come back tomorrow night. But when you come back tomorrow night, you've got to, you've got to have more faith. Oh, how sad is that? In other words, they were telling him it's your fault that you didn't get healed. You didn't have enough faith. So what do you do when you have all of these questions? Oh, here's what I do. I go to the book. <laughs> That's my only place where I say, okay, God, I don't have the answers, so maybe you do. And, and so we read, if any one of you are sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. If any of you are sick. Now, in Scripture, and we'll kind of unfold this in a few moments, uh, the wor- there's many different words for sick and there's the, the, the word sick is translated three times in this passage, and each word is a little bit different nuance than the others. So, so what it says really is that um, there, there's different kinds of sicknesses, right? Certainly there's physical sickness, but there's one, there's one a lot worse than that. It's called a soul that is sick. A soul that has never experienced the life of Jesus. 
Or how about a broken heart? Or how about sin sick? People are so involved in sin that literally they are sick spiritually and sometimes physically. There are many different types of sickness. The word in verse 13, uh, the word for suffering means that it's, it's, it's someone in trouble. And so, and so one of the questions we'll ask a little bit later in the service is this. Are, are you suffering? It could be physically, but it could be spiritually, emotionally, relationally, marriage. It could be... Are you suffering? Are you in trouble? Are you suffering? We'll call the elders of the church and have them lay their hands on you and, and pray for you, anoint you with oil. So this healing prayer this morning that I want to talk to you about, I, I've, 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 I've garnered three kind of truths from this, and I want to go through these with you this morning. The first is this. There is more than one kind of way to be sick. And therefore, there is more than one kind of way to be healed. Now, that's not an idle point. Uh, that comes out of um, study throughout the New Testament of the word sick and recognizing that most of the time the word sick is not referring to physical healing. There are times when it is, very specifically. Jesus healed a man with a withered arm. That's a very specific physical healing. We know. But most of the time the word sick is used in the New Testament. There are different nuances to that word. There are different types of being sick. And therefore there are different ways of being healed. Some are physically sick. Some are heart sick. Some are soul sick. Some are sin sick, and we need to confess our sins. That's part of the text. Uh, the, the Greek word uh, for healing in verse 14 is whole, whole. Healing means that you're whole. It doesn't mean whole physically. It can mean that, okay, don't get me wrong, but it, it's much more than that. Uh, God is much more concerned about your soul wholeness than he is about your physical wholeness. Why? Because last week, life is what? Short. Eternity is long, right? Okay? So he's much more concerned about your soul wholeness. That's why we have mending the soul in our church. That's why we have other ministry groups that help people who are broken in their souls. So soul wholeness matters, but so does physical wholeness. Some people are overwhelmed with sin. Some people need the inner person healed. Some people are faith sick. They're so sick that they no longer have faith. Their faith is no longer strong. It's withered. It's literally withered. The inner person needs to be healed. So that Greek word uh, means weak or feeble or impotent. That word in verse 14, the word sick means weak or feeble or impotent. Now, most every place, that same word that's used, Romans uh, 4, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8, and I won't go through all those, but most of the other places where it means it's talking about weak faith. So in verse 14, when it says that uh, the word sick means weak, feeble, or impotent, it's talking about weak faith, sick, sick faith. So, so that's, that's part of that. So James 5 says, is there any weakness in the body? Well, come forward and let the elders lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. And is there any of you with, with weak faith? Come forward. Are there any of you with, with, with wounded faith? 
the Lord will restore you. Verse 15, a totally different word for sickness is used in verse four, than verse 14. And the word there in verse 15 is weary. <laughs> so the question, are, are any of you weary? Faith weary? Sin weary? Are any of you just so tired? I, I can't hardly move anymore. My, my faith is so weak. It is so withered. I can't even move. Anyone like that? Then come and let the elders lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. And you'll be healed. Body weary, spirit weary, soul weary, fighting sin weary. The Lord will lift you up. We will stand tall in Christ. There's more than one way to be sick. And there's more than one way to be healed. My father was dying. And it was obvious that uh, he'd gone when he first was, before he got sick, he was about 350 pounds, six foot three, very big man. And uh, at this point, uh, he was down about 190 pounds, which he hadn't weighed that since he was like eight years old. And um, and just a gaunt uh, figure. And um, I remember talking to him one day. I said, Dad, we're so praying so much for God to heal you. He said, Son, don't forget that if God heals me, thank, praise Him. But God will heal me. And that sounds kind of like double talk. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Well, if, if God chooses to heal me physically, that's great. But if He doesn't, He will heal my broken heart. And He will heal my spirit that will soar and spend eternity with Jesus. And in His sickness, He had made amends and He had reconnected with everyone. He and I had more great conversations that last year of His life than we had our entire lives together. I mean, I told Him the story when when I was 12 years old, um, somebody at school called me a queer. I didn't know what it meant, but somebody said... um, uh, uh, you know, I asked my teacher and he said, well, that means boys like boys. So I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. So I decided I wasn't going to show affection to boys anymore. So that night, instead of kissing my dad goodnight, I, sh- I-, I put my hand out to shake his hand. So there's this, this idiot kid, you know, tw- my dad goes, OK, I'll shake your hand. Well, it-, it took me until I was 33 years old and he was dying to kiss him again. We, we can't let that kind of thing happen. We have to recognize there's more than one kind of sickness and there's more than one kind of healing. So my dad said, son, even if I'm not healed physically, he has healed my heart and all of my relationships and he will heal my spirit. Well, is anybody getting a divorce? <laughs> I know today in the sanctuary right now, there's at least three women I know that are going through a divorce. And... Um, Can God heal a divorce? Of course he can. We saw that with David and Teresa. We see that with Steve and Stacy. We've seen that. But but there are times when, because one person chooses not to, the divorce happens. And it happens often, unfortunately. But so then the question becomes something different. Can God heal divorce? Of course he can. But here's the question. Can God heal that woman with a broken heart? That no longer has the, 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 the wonder of a, of a family that she had as a little girl, of a mom and a dad and kids that are happy and healthy. Can God heal a woman's broken heart? Of course he can. There's different kinds of sickness. There's different kinds of healing. Does God heal? Yes. Here's the second truth. God still heals physically. Now, I don't want to take long on this point, so I'm just going to read one verse for you. And it's Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even 
Christ. Jesus said, I will make all things new. That means your physical body. Did you know that in the new heaven and the new earth, you're not just going to be a, a spirit flitting around? You will have a body for all eternity. Did you know that? It'll be different than what we know today. But you will have a body. It will be healed. And in Revelation, it says that there'll be no sickness. There'll be no broken bones. There'll be no heartache. All of that. Uh, several years ago, um, Dwight and Karen Neal used to be in our church. And since then, they went out as missionaries because they were both raised Mormon. They went out as missionaries to go to a Mormon church to bring the gospel to the Mormon people, which they're doing to this day. Wonderful family. Well, their oldest son, John, I even forget what his physical ailment was, honey. No, it was John. It was John. But John, we, we had a, a service of, of, of anointing, and, and I asked people to come forward to be anointed. And again, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing what the Bible says. And uh, so John comes forward, and I anoint him with oil and pray over him. And John was healed. And I didn't realize it until later that day, uh, Karen called us and said, our son was healed. And, and, and it happened. And so, yeah, God still heals today. When and why, we don't always understand, but God still heals today. But th- there's one last thing I want to say before we go to our ministry time. And it's this. This is the third truth from this text, and it's this. Let's just do what we're told. Okay? Uh, let's just cut to the chase. Let's just do what we're told. I remember I used to have a lot of angst when I was first a young pastor about communion. Uh, What do we say about communion? The Catholics say that it literally becomes the body and blood of Christ. And we say, no, that's not what it happens. We can see it, taste it. No, that's not what it happens. Then the Lutherans kind of changed that a little bit in other denominations. Well, let's back off from that a little bit. Let's say instead of transubstantiation, that's it changes form. Let's talk about consubstantiation. It means it changes form, but not really. And I thought, well, I don't, that doesn't make any sense either. So what do we believe? I'll tell you, here's what we believe. This is my body. This is my blood. Have you ever heard me explain that on a, on a communion day? The reason I don't explain it is because I can't explain it. And so I just simply would say what the Bible says. This is my body. This is my blood. Let, let the Spirit of God do that work in you. We don't have to understand everything. Last week I said I'm a little bit of an existentialist. That, that kind of gets there. But here's this mystery of healing. Let's just do what it says. Sometimes we have a concern that, that we're moving too far away from, from uh, this idea of, of, of healing. And I just want to bring us back and say, let's, let's just do what we're told. Obedience. Is any among you sick? I was uh, the first time I anointed someone with oil. I was a, a youth pastor, and and I read this passage in James. And said, "Okay, I'll do that. I don't understand it, but I'll do it." So I asked Pastor Aggard if I could borrow his anointing oil. He said, "Yeah, it's in my office." So I went and got it, and it's a little vial, and it had this red stuff in it. And so I took it down, and I started anointing these teenagers. I was a youth pastor with oil, and they started jumping up and down and hopping and and yelling. And I thought, "Wow, the spirit of God!" No, that was cinnamon oil. And I was burning their foreheads off. And, and for weeks, they had these red marks on their foreheads. Maybe that wasn't all bad. But, you know, I thought, wow, I'm not a charismatic. And look at them go, you know. This is awesome, you know. So, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Spirit of God moving among us just by being obedient. Is anyone in view in trouble? You have weary, feeble faith? Pray. Is anyone sick? Call the elders to anoint them. There's different kinds of sickness. There's different kinds of healing. There are those who are weary. Come forward to be prayed for. There are those who are broken. 
Come forward to be prayed for. Those who are physically sick, come forward and be anointed. Those who are heart sick, soul sick, sin sick, call the elders and let them lay hands on you. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to do it because the Bible says so, right? So here's what I'd like to do. Uh, I've, I think we've uh, at least communicated or tried to communicate with most of our, our spiritual leaders. Let me define elders for you. There's a biblical definition of elders, and in our church, we have seven, actually six elected elders, and then I'm also an elder, and Pastor David is an ex-officio elder. So we have six elders beside myself. These are elected officials. But an elder of the church is more than just being elected. There's this conferred um, mantle on some people that have shown a spiritual maturity and uh, ability to pray. And so we're including our elders this morning, but also our altar team who have that conferred authority of praying for people. And also there are some in the alpha leadership team that we've asked to be part of this. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now, elders, uh, altar team, um, and also alpha uh, leaders, uh, if you would just do right now, stand up and go and circle the congregation. Okay. Pastor David, if you'll come up here and stand by the soil. But just circle the entire congregation. I had a, a vision of how this would look today. And it looks like a halo. And, uh, and just spray, spread yourselves out as you do that. And in, in a few moments, um, we're going to invite you to come forward to be prayed for. Again, well, but I don't need physical healing. It's about healing. There's there's a weariness, there's a, a broken faith, there's a physical sickness, there's a heart sickness, soul sickness, sin sickness. Call the elders forward and pray over and anoint them. Um, the oil doesn't heal. The oil in the Old Testament, it was used for cleansing. It was used for uh, restoration. And it was also used for uh, uh, conferring great honor on someone and when David was anointed with oil, it dripped down over his beard and there was this sense of, of the Spirit of God. Oil throughout the, the Bible represents one thing. It's the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you want to be anointed with oil, David will be here. I'll be over here. We'll ask you to come there. Or if you just want to be prayed for, you go to one of the others. And when we anoint you with oil, we'll put a cross on your forehead of oil. And um, that will represent the Spirit of the living God. Washing over you, anointing you for service in the kingdom. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So in just a few moments, in just a moment, the worship team is going to play, and they'll continue to play for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes. And as they do, we just want to invite you, as the Lord moves, if you want to be anointed with oil, you come to these two stations. If you just want someone to pray over you, just come up and they'll be happy, honored to pray with you. And then when you're done, go back and sit in your seat and worship and but, but, but please hear this. If you have a sense that something in you is broken, is sick, is hurting, you need to take, get rid of the idea of being embarrassed or not understanding what's going on, but just be open to the Spirit 
stand up, and one of these people near you would love to pray over you. So uh, let's now just begin this time of ministry and worship, and, and we invite you to come to receive uh, the anointing of God's people on your life. Your heart. 